Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. I Hate the Fins, Episode 4. My name is Keith. I'm your usual host. My usual co-host is Zach. <clears throat> How's it going tonight? Good, good. How's your Halloween? Uh, Halloween wasn't too bad. Didn't do too much um, because working in the city, the amount of travel back and forth, I'm exhausted and I just don't have time to do stuff. So how was yours? Halloween's my favorite holiday. Uh, So I loved it. I didn't really get to do too much. I didn't get to go out last weekend now that we have a baby. But the cool thing is you can you get to dress them up. She was a ghost. By that, I mean, she just had a like my wife painted a ghost face on a onesie of hers and then it had a tutu with it so not a real menacing ghost but that was fun uh october went by fast and now um at work because we have the satellite radio and they're already playing holiday music it all starts up on november 1st <clears throat> and that's late now because walmart had holiday stuff up in august so that's, that's so crazy like I, I don't understand the push for that like how do you I'm a last minute holiday shopper and I don't have that many people to shop for, but like, how can you be looking that early? I don't know. Amazon has made me a little bit better in terms of holiday shopping. I I know some people say you're murdering the local economy and that is true. Uh, You definitely sell your soul a little bit when you, you go with Amazon prime, but you do get the free two day shipping. So um, I typically don't want to listen to holiday music until after Thanksgiving. I don't even want to think about listening to it until after Thanksgiving. I mean, yeah, the day after thanksgiving you can do all that but uh it starts on uh, november 1st every year with the the stations i listen to and now they're now they're doing all these ads where it's like we've got all this christmas music coming up and i'm like i'm so excited to not listen to it for the next month so yeah the closest the closest i get to uh christmas during halloween time is nightmare before christmas but that's that's multi-holiday so i think that's fair so at work uh all the different conference rooms that we're in we everyone kind of builds up this this whole little Halloween world and they compete against each other to see who designs them the best. Like there was one this year where they made it Hogwarts and you could go ahead and you get sorted. So you figure out what, what house you're in and all that. Um, we did a Nightmare Before Christmas, which cool. is, you just said that. And uh, I, I will say though that I never want to hear the main song from that movie ever again. Yeah, that, that, that jingle can be tough at times when you hear it 24 hours a day. I listened to it for about three hours straight. So yeah. I never want to hear it again. Um, so speaking of things you never want to do again, I never want to see the Dolphins look the way they did last Thursday against Houston. That was a rough game. Love the white on white uh, uniform look. I thought that was a pretty slick look with the the aqua that they've got going. But uh, I didn't feel terribly encouraged. I mean, we talked about this because technically we've already do- done this show once before it went <laughs> down. But 
I think, do we agree that this is a team that's probably not going to win that many more games this year based on, really based on injuries? We don't know what's going to happen with Ryan Tannehill, Brocktober, now known as Brock Bottom. Uh, the D- Detroit Lions game, not his fault, but I really thought that his his warts, his shortcomings as a quarterback were were quite visible in Houston last Thursday. So, I mean, I, he's not a guy you build around. I mean, people can go ahead and talk about David Fales or Ryan Tannehill coming back. Do we agree that a new quarterback is going to be on this roster via draft pick sooner rather than later? Yeah, may, maybe not this year. Worst case scenario, 2020, though. So, actually, I'm, you, you bring up not 2019. Uh, some people wouldn't agree with that, but you've done a lot of research. You already have a top 100 out there. So, you mean, you've gotten a look at a lot of guys. Would you mind breaking down for the people listening why 2019 might not be the year you want to look for a quarterback to replace Ryan Tannehill? The thing about 2019 is I do not dislike this quarterback class. I am just not confident. I'm not confident that any of them are like franchise guys that you take in the top five, even 10 picks. Um, I think this class is going to produce probably like a half dozen to like maybe eight, even quarterbacks that are like long-term league guys though. Like they may be backups. They may be journeymen, you know, two years here, three years here, whatever. I think this class is going to produce a lot of NFL quarterbacks. I just don't know if they're going to be franchise guys. Um, you know, right now everybody leans on Herbert, but I've I've watched at least two quarters of every Herbert game this year, and I have yet to see a, a game or a quarter where I'm just 100% blown away. Um, he looked good against Stanford at times, but, you know, you saw that how that kind of fell apart, and that, that was definitely a team effort. Um, but at the end of the day, I think he shows you the same kind of stuff that people were bitching and moaning about Josh Allen. And the funny thing is, I, I said this back in the spring, that he's essentially Tannehill with a better arm. Um, but Dolphins fans will take anything over Tannehill, so they'll take Tannehill with a better arm. Um, yeah. Like, he's he's so much Tannehill that he's going for, like, biology and pre-med, and essentially his game plan is if he's not going to be an NFL player. He wants to be a doctor. Um, so like same exact dude, different size, different arm ability. But like, I, I think Tannehill, I, I don't, I worry about Justin Herbert being able to make that, that mental leap to the next level. Um, and he's never played a full season yet either. So he doesn't have a lot of games. I mean, the, the Tannehill comparisons are in there. I think in terms of visuals, um, his best game was against Stanford. He definitely mm-hmm. did some stuff in that game that impressed me. I thought that, uh, I mean, he's not, he's not the one who fumbled the ball late in that game and really yeah. put Stanford in a position to tie it. Uh, I thought, I mean, I came away from that thinking, like, if he, if he were on the Dolphins, I'd be okay with that. But, I mean, there are a lot of warts in his game. I mean, you come away from it, and you're like, yeah, you know, why did you do this? And I'm not really, I'm not really feeling that. Um, I thought at times his accuracy and especially in that Stafford game looked really good. Um, I thought the feet looked fine. Um, was definitely making plays outside the pocket, which I feel like you almost have to do in today's NFL. I, I was if you're gonna, I mean, look at Patrick Mahomes. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, like that's a guy. I mean, like he just. I mean, he makes things happen outside the pocket. I mean, nobody does it better than Aaron Rodgers. I mean, that's his thing. Even though you know he's a little bunk, he's a little uh, beat up right now, <clears throat> and not doing it at the usual level we see him perform. So yeah, and I mean, I, I, I also don't. I also just don't want to beat up on Herbert. Like that goes for almost every dude in this class. Every one of these guys has to like, oh, he does this and this well, but. You know, my favorite out of them all is probably Will Greer, but coming out of that West Virginia system and, you know, even though I think he's become a more well put together young man off the field, there's still some questions of like, is he, is his maturity there? Like, I think he's probably the best put together, but he doesn't have a stellar arm or athletic ability or even size for that. So, you know, I I think every one of these guys has a, a good handful of knocks against them. Um, so it's not just Herbert. I don't want people to think I'm just beating up on poor Justin Herbert sure. here. Which, um, I mean, you mentioned that you like Will Greer. Which quarterback do you think best fits coming to Miami? And I mean, maybe not a plug and play guy, but somebody who quickly gets involved in this offense. Who would be your guy? Well, I mean, that that's kind of tough because, like, I feel like Gase doesn't have like an offense, if that makes sense. You know what I'm saying? Like. He he's really great at building the offense to what he's got. Um, you know, they they built all that stuff in for Albert Wilson this year. Um, you know, they were worried about Tannehill's knee right out the the gate, so they weren't running a lot of RPO read option stuff. Um, but I think I think the guys that make the most sense in my mind um, are probably Herbert. Um, I'd say Herbert and probably, um, oh my God, what's the Washington State guy to transfer from uh, ECU? Gar- Gardner Minshew, um, who's do- he's playing lights out this year. If there's one dude that's played really, really well, it's been him. Um, but that's also could be that Mike Leach system. Plenty of things to go into there. But I think if Gase wanted to go with something where you still have a quarterback that can move around and do some things, you may want to make that decision if Herbert doesn't go top five, if you're going to get into that game. Um, but if not, like Gardner Minshew is a dude that you could get in three or even four. So you could build your team up elsewhere and then take him, him, Falk, Tannehill in 2019, see if anybody shakes out, see how you really feel about them. And then if you, you're not feeling any of them, you can just change your mind in 2020. Um, so... But I think those two guys make the most sense. They're kind of opposite ends of the spectrum in style. Minshew's a little bit more of a traditional West Coast kind of pocket guy. Um, but he can do a lot of those spreading the ball out, spreading it around kind of stuff from uh, Mike Leach's offense, which Gase has shown a little bit that he's liked to do so far this year. Suppose they wait until 2020. Mm-hmm. Who would be your guy? Because that's, that's the popular talk, talk right now as you see guys like, oh, just wait till 2020. And but I mean, I see a range of quarterbacks who are the prize in that draft. Who would be your guy? Um, I, I like Tua. I definitely like Tua, but like I think Jake Fromm is phenomenal. Um, he's come in since day one as a freshman at Georgia and has played lights out. And like he's a dude that has played up in every big game that they've needed him to play up. They don't they haven't played many games where like they've played a ranked sec team and he throws a touchdown for 185 yards and the rest of the team just carries him. Like 
in a lot of those ranked games, he's put up two, three touchdowns and like just rips it through the air. Um, him, and then we'll have to see what happens with uh, the guy he replaced that moved on to Washington, um, Eason. Mm-hmm. Yeah, who, who, Eason was really good. So like, and that, that says a lot for Fromm too, that I thought Eason was going to be an outstanding guy at Georgia. And then when he got bumped out um, and Fromm came in, like, two back-to-back great guys um but two is awesome too like you don't it's hard to throw zero interceptions through 10 weeks of sec football like it's really tough that guy's really impressive i gotta say i mean the one thing that's going to work against him is the the lack of height but i think people are buying people are starting to buy into the whole drew Brees, russell wilson side of things so uh Kind of making things a little more current, especially after we we watched that bloodbath in Houston last Thursday. Uh, can you just give me just off your your big board, your top five hundred? Maybe handpick five guys who help the Dolphins immediately if they're in, if they're drafted uh, by Miami next spring. Um, before we go to that backtrack to twenty twenty though, if there's one sneaky guy that I would love, regardless of size, whatever, I love Mackenzie Milton out of UCF. He might be five mm-hmm. ten, but that dude throws it just as good as Tua. Like he is outstanding. Um, but anyway, that's that's just nonsense. But anyway, um, so for this coming draft, five dudes. Um, I pulled I pulled a group of uh ten. So I'll, I'll just discount Ed Oliver and Nick Bosa now because I don't know if they're going to be in that that game at all to get either of those guys. Um, right. But moving on from there, um, I think. Two guys at the top there, they could fall anywhere from like 5 to 15. Who knows how it shakes out. But um, with how the run game has perpetually killed the Dolphins, regardless of who they put in there, two guys would be Dexter Lawrence, the defensive tackle from uh, Clemson, the big defensive tackle too. Um, He's the one that's like 6'4", 340, unbelievable to splits and backflips and stuff. Um and then I really like Devin White, who's the the main linebacker for LSU. Um, he's played like as quality of football, not same statistically, but I think the quality of football he plays rivals Keekly when he was at Boston College. Like he's a dude that's always around the ball and he's a great leader on and off the field. So those are two guys defensively. Um, I think another guy that I'm kind of undecided on at this point, um, but the skill set, you can definitely see it, and it shines at certain moments. Um, Miami's kind of got this weird, like, we have a number two corner in multiple options, but we don't at the same time. Um, and if they're not sold on McTire or Tank, um, and they're just sick of having Bobby on the outside, because Bobby's, Bobby's lost some battles on the outside. Um, he's definitely not comfortable there. They could always right. go Greedy Williams from LSU, too. Um, I had a feeling you were going to say him. Yeah, I mean, I, I really like um, Baker from Georgia as well. I think Baker may be the better overall corner at this point, especially because he's played more football um, and in the SEC like Greedy. Um, but the thing is, is like Baker may, there's a chance that he comes in at like 5, 10, and 3 fourths inches. You know what I'm saying? And I don't, I don't feel like that's what the Dolphins are looking for outside, especially since you're seeing what you want to see out of X now on the other side at like 6-1. Um, so those those would definitely be the defensive guys. Um, and I guess a bonus defensive guy, if for some reason 
the Dolphins are on the back end of the teens, like they win a couple more games and they put them out of that top 12 um, area, or if they trade down or something, another guy I really like, um, Zach Allen. He's the defensive end for Boston College. Dude has like 100 total tackles last year, like 20-something for a loss. Like he is a dude where we've really missed um, William Hayes and what he's done. He could come in and be William Hayes, younger, bigger, potentially faster, more athletic right off the bat. Um, and to wrap this up kind of quick with this um, two offensive guys, it's going to be offensive line. Um, I'm just sick of the offensive line just getting hammered. Um, the injuries this year did, definitely didn't help. But um, the one dude I really like is the guard from Wisconsin, Bu Ben Schwell or something like that, some, some crazy name. Um, he's a mm-hmm. good old Wisconsin lineman. You'd love him. Punches dudes in the mouth. Um, you know, I guess they would just have to decide if that fits that zone scheme that they do. Um, but the dude that's going to go flying up draft boards, I think, is Dalton Risner. Um, he plays, I think right now this year, he plays right tackle for Kansas State. Um, but he's played center. He's played right guard at one point. Like he's a dude that can pretty much play tackle to tackle. Um, I could be wrong. I haven't watched a lot of K State. Um, he might even be playing left tackle for them this year. But he is great. So you could plug and play him at either right guard or center day one for the Dolphins, and you'd be in good shape. Is there a guy that um, it, like who is your guy right now? Like I mean, if it were up to you, I mean, and in turn, I mean, realistically speaking, I mean, we think that the Dolphins could be in that 8 to 12 range, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, I think if I had to label, like, my guy with a logical range for them right now, um, I think defensively it's Devin White. Um, I don't know who gets bumped out of that that main linebacker role at that point because, like, Raekwon's kind of catching on now. Baker's been all over the field. And weirdly, um, Kiko's looked like a Pro Bowl caliber linebacker. Um, but like none of them are the quality of of Devin White, so I think he's my defensive guy. And then Dalton Risner, I I love him. I just love good versatile linemen. So, um, I think you couldn't go wrong, regardless of eight to twelve to nineteen, um, picking either of those guys for sure. No, and I mean like if you're gonna tie, I mean I lo- you know I love Wisconsin offensive linemen. Wisconsin's having a bad year. I mean they just are not, but it's not. I don't really put that at the offensive line's feet. I think that uh, Hornybrook, the the quarterback, is really bad. I think that they've kind of taken a step back in terms of their their skill guys on the perimeter. Uh, And the defense just lost a lot of talent to to the NFL draft last spring. So uh, they have multiple guys in the offensive line I really like. Um, I mean, you mentioned uh, Benchwell. I really like that guy a lot. Uh, Dieter is a guy I really like. So... um, I mean, honestly, and you, you plug any of those guys into Miami's interior and they're already better because, I mean, Dieter technically, I mean, has, is a guy where he was toggling between tackle and center, which is messed up. So, um, I mean, Dieter even played right guard at one point. He might even be playing right guard right now because they have, um, oh, there's another dude that's playing. There's another dude. Um, I cannot remember his name. I cannot remember all their names. They're all just big white dudes and they all kind of blur together at a certain point. That's kind of their thing. <clears throat> um, it's a great group, though. So, I mean, mm-hmm. but you can take any either of those guys we just mentioned and you can plug them into Miami's current interior 
and see a drastic improvement. I mean, on, honestly, it's bad luck when Josh Sitton gets hurt almost immediately. And then yeah. all of a sudden, I mean, and then I mean, you lose, I mean, Kilgore. So, I mean, it's, there's been a lot of bad luck there, but I feel like there's always bad luck for this team in, along the interior. And it's ridiculous just the fact that they cannot get this right. And, and especially in a year where their tackles have been outstanding. I think yeah, that's the most frustrating it's, thing. It's so sad because, like, James has played really well this year, and Tunsil's finally looking like he's putting it together, like he's finally gotten, like, the speed of the game and how to handle different people. Um, so it's just really sad that they're getting beat up in the face. Um, but it is what it is at this point. I'm just thinking about it. Like, I like White a lot. Um, for the longest time, I, I talked about how it just felt inevitable that they were going to get one of those dudes on the Clemson defensive line. Lawrence, obviously, is, especially with some of the problems that Miami's had against the run this year, Lawrence makes a ton of sense. So, I mean, but people want to talk about the quarterback position. That's their thing right now. I don't know if they're going to solve that in 2019. I don't know. We'll have to see what happens with Ryan Tannehill going forward. I know a lot of fans don't want to hear that because it's kind of been the thing for the last two years is we'll wait and see what happens with him. I think a lot of people are, are tired of that. I think a lot of people weren't ready to sign on for that in the first place. So, I mean, it's a tough, tough area to be in with that. Uh, we can go and transition a little bit, and then we'll, we'll call it a night. We'll shorten this show up a little bit. Uh, Jets Week, uh, mm-hmm. your favorite. You're one of your really good friends, the guy you were working with at your I – mean, now it's your previous job, right, because you're moving yeah. on to a new position. Yep. So we we can't really I mean the Dolphins can't lose to these guys at home, can they? Especially I mean, after the just absolutely pathetic offensive output the Jets put up at Soldier Field last Sunday. Or is this a game where Sam Darnold comes in and just absolutely just drops one on the Dolphins? I I mean like the biggest thing because I I haven't watched a ton of Jets other than the first Jets Dolphins game because um, why the f would I obviously um but my buddy that's a Jets fan his biggest thing is like they have no receivers like Chris Herndon their rookie tight end has gotten a ton of production and everybody thinks he's like a superstar now but realistically it may just be because like he's the only guy that can catch a football at this point everybody else is dead um so like. I mean, like the Dolphins, this, I would honestly say this is a must win for the Dolphins, not necessarily for record or pushing towards the playoffs or anything, but like you can't lose to a team with a rookie quarterback with no offensive weapons. Um, You just need, these are the games that you have to win just to prove that you're at least an average team. Right. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about this. Honestly, it would be to go ahead and sweep and sweep the Jets, even in a year where I mean these guys have just been hobbled almost right out of the gate. Uh, my brother started calling Sam Darnold uh, Tom Darnold, so which I love that name. I wish I'd come <laughs> up with that myself, but I just feel like Sam, I think Sam Darnold is going to be a good pro. I mean, like, I know a lot of people are quick to make fun of him and everything. Yeah. I mean, the the offense started off gangbusters in Detroit has really uh, lost an edge the last couple of weeks. I do think he's going to be really good. I think they're they're going to have to figure some stuff out in terms of the, well, the head coach position, um, what they want to do in terms of their offense. But <clears throat> And honestly, the skill position they, get, they have on the outside too. Um, I'm not really sold that much on Herndon. 
We'll see about that. Now that I said that, he's going to tear up the Dolphins for like three touchdowns this weekend. But Dolphins killer two point right here it comes. Like when it was Dustin Keller, and then we acquired Dustin Keller, and and then we killed him. Mm -hmm. So no, DJ DJ Swearinger killed him in that preseason Um, game. Which, which is the craziest thing? Like I don't understand. I thought he was going to be out of the league in like three years because I don't. I don't understand how he's good, to be honest. Um, I'm glad that the dude pulled it together and he's had himself a nice career. But like when he was coming out, I wanted nothing to do with him. And then he bumped around for a few teams and somehow he's made it work in Washington there. It's kind of blown my I'm mind. I'm trying to remember that Wisconsin offensive lineman's name. Which position did you mention again? Um, I, I, I'm just going to I'm trying Google to think because you got Dieter... On. You got a uh, Baidez in there, Dietzen. Yep, he's he's there. And then I think Edwards is on the Edwards is on the right Who's side. I think Dietzen is their left tackle. Oh, Edwards, D- David Edwards is was the, okay. the right tackle I was thinking of. Yeah, because Dieter's inside. Uh, yeah, because I mean, right he now. was bouncing around, and I want to say the last position they used Dieter or Dieter started at left guard for when they when when they came into camp this mm-hmm. year. But I mean, at one time. Last year, when they were trying to figure out if that guy was going to stick around or not, it turned into a thing where, you know, is he a tackle or is he a center? You know, which I mean, is a, I guess, is a great problem to have. Although, if you're the Dolphins and you have a tendency to bounce guys around at positions and you tend to minimize their impact instead of really allowing them to thrive in one position, I don't know that I'm into the tweeners at this point. So, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, like, hopefully you take a guy and he just ends up being, you know, a good... So- like, I, you don't even need superstars on the inside. If we're talking interior linemen, you just need a guy that's going to be reliable and solid. Um, essentially everything the Dolphins interior line has not been. I got Major Dad brain going tonight, so it took me a while to remember Dave Edwards' name. <laughs> and then I forgot that you mentioned the right tackle. Because I was starting to remember their names. I was like, wait, which spot did you mention again? So... I I just want all of them, honestly. <clears throat> but I mean, I, and I and I touch upon this, and we can kind of end on this note. It's just a shame because Laramie Tunsil and Jawan James have been so good this year that you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they they've both been as good as you would hope for. Um, you know, and they've kept Tannehill clean, and that's why, like the the end of the the Cincinnati game was like. So mind blowing because at that point, like you were clean the whole time. There's no reason for you to get antsy other than you know trying to make a play when there's nothing. But like, if you're gonna lose, lose because you got sacked and you did give got you got by the offense alignment. Like, don't do it on something stupid. Like, that's that's the only thing that's really kind of soured me on on Tannehill this year was the end of that game because like. You got to be smart enough not to make those plays, and so Juwan James and uh, Tunsil, you know, they're not at fault at all this year because they've done a really nice job. Well, I think I I don't know I'm I'm hopeful. I'd like to see what happens with Ryan Tannehill going forward. Uh, I know that at first it was like he'll be, he'll be back in a couple of weeks. Now it, it's turning into more of an indefinite thing. I haven't seen anything as of late. I don't know if you have. So. No, he's still not throwing from what I think I saw. Um, who's the new guy? Cam- Cameron mm-hmm. Wolf, that is the new ESPN yeah. guy. Um, one, I like him a lot. 
Um, he's probably the best one out of the whole group so far. Hopefully he stays that way. Um, but he, he said something like, yeah, Tannehill's not throwing yet. Um, well, at least with his, his throwing arm, he's throwing lefty a little bit, but, um, but he's not throwing yet. So, so we're at, we're probably two or three weeks at least out. It's not good. That's, that's a really bad sign. So, I mean, here, here we are, you know, once again, relying on the backup quarterback, starting to feel a lot like last year. Although, you know, a better sustained opening by the Dolphins instead of last year when, you know, they took the opening opening week by, managed to just skate by um, the Chargers that game in Los Angeles. And then when things looked promising, they started just getting pounded on the road. So, I don't know. I'm not really looking forward to going up to Lambeau at this point. There's a lot of games where I was thinking, well, this team's really going to be able to compete. And with all these injuries now and looking at it, it's like, oh, man, I don't know. So, yeah, no, it's yeah, going to be, yucky. yeah, it's going to be yucky. Now, now it turns into a thing where you just, I mean, we're talking about draft prospects for a reason. I mean, some people are like, well, you can't quit on the season. Well, we'd be talking about this anyway. This team could be eight. No. And we'd still have, you know, you know, who are, who are guys we're interested in when, when it comes time to make some picks next. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm in my off season right now, so. My, my my regular season goes from January to uh, beginning of May. So one thing we can end on, uh, give me three college games this weekend. If you're a Dolphins fan and you want to you wanna check out some of these guys, I mean, of course, you could always go to YouTube. That's what most people do. But if you, if you really want to <laughs> find a game this weekend, check out some guys that sh- could be on the Dolphins' radar next spring. You have a couple of games you can throw out to them. Yeah, so I'm saying the three for this weekend, since it is some good college football now. Um, one, I would watch Georgia-Kentucky just for the heck of it, because that's either going to be a real fun game and Kentucky's going to keep surprising people. Um, plus a dude that's on Kentucky, Josh Allen, um, their outside linebacker, could end up being um, like your Anthony Barr 2.0 uh, with a little bit more pass rush upside. So if the Dolphins wanted to get a little tricky on defense, they could look at something like that. Um, and then uh, Georgia, obviously for 2020 from, um, but Georgia's just got NFL draft prospects across the board. I mentioned uh, DeAndre Baker, who plays corner for them. Um, he's a guy that, you know, could be a surprise early top pick, um, could even fit for Miami. Um, so that's definitely a game to watch. I'd say... Um, the next one would probably be West Virginia, Texas, just simply for to see if Will Greer, if Will Greer can go out and put up a signature game, he's going to get a boost in his draft stock from me. Because outside of Connor or Gardner Menchu beating Oregon, I don't think any of these dudes that play quarterback have a signature game. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Um, so if he can go out and be a surprising Texas team, um, I think that looked pretty good for him. Um, plus it'll be nice to see if Texas is for real. Um, their, their quarterback, Sam Etlinger or whatever his name is, he's looked pretty good. Um, and they got some interesting guys on defense too. Um, there are a lot of guys that you'll hear in like day two and three of the draft this coming year. Um, and then obviously the other big one is, uh, Bama versus LSU. Um, is this going to be an actual test for LSU, especially for, for Tua? Can he go into to LSU and not throw any picks and, you know, have a nice clean game. Um, and will they have trouble moving the ball this time around? And then like, 
the question is on LSU's side is like, will they be able to offense at all against Alabama? Um, if they can pull together some offense, I think LSU can hang with Bama probably better than anybody else, but that's still a pretty tough challenge to ask I say for. Vegas doesn't like their chances. So. No. no. I mean, plus Bama, Bama has like another like dozen guys that will end up getting drafted in the first round. So um, that's a good game to watch to start getting familiar with the, the six to eight people that will go in the first round regardless of if it's to Miami or another, not. Another Bama-dominated draft. That's going to be everything that i mean we can really talk about for now so that'll do it for tonight um yeah hopefully i don't we've kind of taken a shift with this show a little bit i mean i don't want to sit here and just talk about how much this team sucks for 30 minutes i feel like you can find that elsewhere um i'm into being proactive i think that there i mean there are bright spots going with the dolphins right now that's the important thing to so i mean when you look at the draft you're not waving the white flag necessarily although i mean I mean, it's kind of tempting with just how beat up these guys are. And I mean, and it just gets, keeps getting worse every week. I mean, when when you look at Albert Wilson, you're like, yeah, he's probably out for the year, but it's OK because he's not going to have surgery. I mean, you know, you're having and you're just thinking like, I mean, at least he's going to be available next season. Hopefully then you're having a bad run. So that'll do it for tonight. This is uh, I hate the fins. This is episode four. We're, we're with SB Nation now. The Finsider Podcast Network. I found out a couple of weeks ago that is the official title. I've not been butchering it. So um, for Zach, I'm Keith. We'll go ahead and talk to you guys next week. We'll be back. We will not be taking a week off like we did last week. So we'll uh, talk to you then. Thanks for tuning in. Good night. Hello. I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seems Smart. It Seems Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seem smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission, or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Hello, I'm Neil Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time.
You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts.